0: Get ready, get ready. It's time for This Week in Hockey, an in-depth look at what's happening around the NHL this week. Who are you? Here's your host, Blues analyst Alex Ferrario and Blues broadcaster Joey Vitali, This Week in Hockey on 101 ESPN.
1: in everyone another edition of this week in hockey a tuesday night a important tuesday night because it is like christmas eve guys along with the voice of the blues chris kerber and joe vitale and girls and girls and dogs they like hockey too and cats yeah thanks for making sure
2: that i understand that just wanted to make sure i mean if listen if, if ted drews can figure that out and put it in his heads we could say it on the air it's too gals. right yeah same thing i guess regardless
1: it's the night before the blues hit the ice for hockey action, is, Joe is
3: honey, is honey rude to say to waitresses? At I Richard? don't know, but it's I actually hate it. on yogurt <laughs> <laughs> Okay, because I asked because my dad's a big hun guy Excuse me, hun Excuse me, oh, hun Oh, really? And I'm thinking like, Dad, that's think... an age thing That's okay, okay. Is that okay? That's yeah, right. okay right, Yeah. Cool.
1: I hate it when they call me honey
3: Yeah
2: Like, I'll be right back with
1: that, honey like,
3: I like the name honey yeah,
1: hey, still, can I get I'm something talking. off
2: my chest to start the show so we could move through the show just easily and have more fun? I, I usually... I'm, by the way, for... I was getting ready for the show, and I had kind of, like, kind of totally forgotten how we ended the show last week, so I got a big old oyage Gus for both of you. I mean, that's, like, that was a great way to end it, pulling up, you know, Gus the Kicking Mule. There.
1: Technically, we didn't end it that way. We ended we did. with You were trying Joe to talk laughing. about some boring
2: topic, and we tried to it.
1: throw to a couple different topics, but, yeah, that's th-
2: kind of the way we ended yeah, it. You want us to get into, like, what our thoughts or something was going to happen because, I, I don't know, and, and we decided no, that we have no interest in that. It's true. Save those for next week. Okay, so Alex, you have not dealt with this yet. Joe, you have. Okay. What are the kids going to do with school this year? And I am going to – I got a bit of an opinion here, but then I am going to pull it back to the bubble in the NHL at the end of this. So so bear with me for a minute or two, okay? So my kids – I'm in the Parkway School District. I got one kid going into her sophomore year at Parkway West, another one going into her eighth grade year at Parkway West Middle, and one going into her fifth year, her last year at Piermont Elementary. Okay, so three different schools. First and foremost, I want to make sure that everybody hears this part of it. I think the job that these administrators had to do was next to impossible. Mm -hmm. And not only because they were trying to figure out what is right for the kids, both mental health and physical health, as well as education, but they had to do it in a climate where your political leaders politicized a pandemic. In terms of even not even, we don't even know how, what information to truly trust in terms of what's important, okay? You've got a county executive canceling youth sports and members of his own task force are disagreeing that youth sports should be canceled. It's, it's crazy, right? Okay, so Alex, pull you pull that music down just a hair for me there, bud? Thanks. So, so I say that because I think these educators were put in an impossible position. I think the teachers, where I think we should almost have more concern for the teachers and the kids here. Because if everything we're hearing is correct and about kids not getting it as bad, right? And, and, and we'll be able to deal with it health-wise better than others. So we're definitely putting our teachers at risk. So we move our teachers to the front lines as we would a nurse, as we would anybody else that we were celebrating in the front lines when this pandemic started. Okay, so teachers now had to be moved to the front lines. And I think that's that's legit. I mean, because you've got teachers of many different age groups, right, and health conditions. So that, so that's a challenge. So th- th- these administrators are in a really tough spot. There was no decision that was going to be popular. And, I, and Dr. Marty at Parkway School said that on another show, He's, and, and I agree with him. Having said that, so so we had to make the decision by Sunday night. I'm going to tell you, I didn't sleep at all on Sunday night. Okay, Like, I mean, when I say I didn't sleep at all, I didn't sleep a wink because we had to make our decision. We made it about 10 o'clock at night. Now, again, uh, we reached out to the high school principal via email. He called us and we had a great talk with him on Sunday. So, again, the, these 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 educators and these administrators are doing anything they can to help. Right? I mean, they're calling. They're, they're, they're doing Zooms. They're calling parents and want questions. OK, having said that, the. The Zoom meeting to tell the parents what it will be like one way or the other for the elementary school was yesterday. We had to make our decision Sunday night. The Zoom meeting for the high school is tomorrow or Thursday. I can't remember. I'm confused. What do you mean you made a decision? So we had, okay, we had to decide between two plans. Going back to school was not, full-time was not an option. Okay. Like some of the parochial schools or private schools have done It was either a hybrid situation Where it's online learning on Monday Kids are in class Tuesday, Thursday Or Wednesday, Friday, and the other two days are doing asynchronous learning Okay, The other option is full virtual Where you don't go to school at all And you've got a plan that's full virtual
3: And so they collect all the votes from every family And then no, the majority no, wins? You, no, you actually choose You, okay, you pick
2: so one you, of those two I, plans gotcha. okay. Now here's the challenge if In, in Parkway, if you choose virtual There's a chance that you're going to get a teacher that is not a teacher at the school you attend. Mm -hmm. Okay. I had an issue with that in terms of accountability. So we chose, and then, of course, we involve the kids in this. We chose the hybrid one because if they decide to go all virtual, and I think that's where it's going anyway. I think at least for the first half of the first semester, if not all first semester, all these public schools, at least for the ones in St. Louis County, they're going to say, we got to go virtual. I mean, because there's still there's no end in sight because, frankly, people have been stupid. All right. that That's the bottom line. OK, we're not, we don't we can't blame leaders so much for there's some things we can blame. The county executive, the mayor, the governor, the president, all right. The one thing we can't blame them are, is because people were stupid. OK, you can't blame the leaders for your own stupidity. And 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 that's why I really feel we're in this situation. But again. At some point, th- this is. Whether it is a county executive Whether it is a mayor, whether it is a governor Whether it's a congressperson, whether it's the president Whether it's a, a superintendent of the schools Or a principal or an administrator At some point When you do Come out and either have your Zoom meeting With all your parents or you're speaking For crying out loud Start coming at us With a plan And I don't mean a plan of just You have to pick one of these two I mean You've got to be able to sit down and say specifically if you are going virtual. This is what not what we think today, where they're just going to be online. Tell us what it is going to be like online. Tell us that those Parkway teachers took training this year, right, this summer, to enhance their experience and how to teach virtually. Mm-hmm. That's an important fact that they did. The skill, okay. Tell us what Dr. Miller's told us, uh, the the head of the of uh, Parkway West Middle. That she, along with other members of the school, did contact tracing education and learning. So they know how to do contact tracing if a teacher or a student comes into the school and ends up testing positive, right? What do you do? Okay. So, uh, again, at some point, you have to make the plan. Now, now why is all this important, and and, and how do you you tie this back in? These leagues have made decisions that are important not only for their business— We can substitute education for that word, but also the health of everybody involved. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the detail the National Hockey League went into for this hub, the detail is immense. It's actually Mm mind-blowing when you think of how detailed they got, even so much as we are hiring another towel-washing company because we figure we're going to need to be going through 12,000 towels, Mm -hmm. shower towels, right? Right. You know that these school districts don't have the resources or the ability to go into that kind of detail, okay? So that is why when parents are all upset saying, ah, that kid can't go virtual, okay? And and I get the mental health for kids. Mental health is important. You don't have your physical health. The mental health isn't going to matter. So we got to still keep that one a little bit more on the forefront. They, at some point, you've got to pump the brakes You came out in the middle of last week and said, parents, you got to make a decision that you cannot change. This is the best part. You can't change your decision until the end of the semester, right? So if we decide to go all virtual, you can't decide to switch if you decide. And they have to make that for planning. I understand that. But you did it before you gave all the parents all the possible information to make as educated a decision as possible. You are doing it and forcing the parents to make a decision. Okay. Without everything that they should have from you to make it And if you can't give the parents those deci- that enough information Then you delay things until you can but how long? I mean, I guess that's the problem. I don't, listen, Joe, if it takes an extra two weeks or a month, it takes
3: an extra two weeks or a month. Because, yeah, because that's, I mean, one of the because issues. Because that's what you're going to be doing anyway right now. Because people want to have some sort of plan moving forward. So you would like to have a plan. So the delaying of plans is seems to be, it's kind of like that rock and hard place right now. The specifics of the plan have to be
2: more than here's what your schedule will be if you choose all virtual or if you choose hybrid. Yeah. Okay. Because, okay, that's great. We know that. We know how to weigh this. And now you're weighing, okay, risk of COVID. Versus the mental health of being in school, the contact with teachers, mm-hmm. the positive side of that, right? But it literally is okay. So now it, it's it's got to be more detailed. Like if if the kids, if, if you're gonna like if for example, and every parent has asked this in these zoom meetings so far, what happens if a teacher shows a teacher gets COVID? Okay, well then we're gonna roll that class to virtual. Okay, well if you're gonna roll that class to virtual, what's that schedule look like? And those are answers we don't have yet mm-hmm. and I got to be honest with you at this point if you you should have that answer if you're asking and I'm saying if you if for whatever reason you're not ready to answer that then then you then you've got to delay things even if you're delaying the start of the school year right mm-hmm. uh, a few weeks uh, until you have that so parents can make the educated decision see it's, it's the same thing whether it's coming from the county, whether it's coming from educators whether it's coming from whatever people are being forced to make decisions without knowing more. And, and we got to get to that point. Now, the National Hockey League, they've made these decisions, Joe. And they've made decisions in a way that in the last two weeks, in the last week of phase three, they had zero tests positive mm-hmm. out of 4,200 tests. Yeah. They're going into this bubble where it is so locked down and right that if you're going in there, you're feeling completely safe. Yeah. It's It's fascinating to see how that's handled. And then and again, I don't expect school districts to be able to handle it this way but i i just when you are asking people to make decisions that involve the health and education of your kid you have got to give them more mm-hmm. it'd be different to say we're open in full time you got to bring them okay well that decision was made for me i got to go right when you're right. asking and 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 i'm i'm getting I, i'm fascinated by trying to compare like how this this aspect of the world, education deals with it, how this is how the NHL, how it like there's so many different ways on how that's going through, Joe. But
3: it's it's got it's got me revved up pretty good. Yeah. Well, we can get into it in the next segment. But I've gotten pictures from this bubble yeah. in Edmonton. And you mentioned I'm, the professionalism, the planning these routes, these players have to take. It's all barricaded off. The street, they have security. I mean, it's one hundred and
2: twenty-five security personnel in Edmonton. Yep. seventy-five hired in Toronto. And on a on a Zoom call yesterday, Steve Mayer from the National Hockey League said, "I'm just going to tell you what." So he walked from one of the three hotels in Edmonton, not not the JW that's attached to the um, to the rink, right? The Sutton. He walked from the Sutton place. And he showed on the Zoom call. He walked through, and where it crosses the street, they got a security guard right there. Yeah, And they open up the gate. Yep. They help you cross the street. They stop traffic. And then another security guard opens up the gate on the other side, and yep. you go through.
3: I mean, it is it is as lockdown kind of Olympic-esque mm-hmm. as they could get. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. Some of the players are saying right now that every team, you have a window to eat at a restaurant. No, there's no cross-contamination of teams. If Vegas has a window at the Chop House. They have a window from six thirty to eight thirty. At eight thirty, they gotta leave because the Blues show up at eight thirty. I mean, there there's food trucks where there's a little bit of mingling, but uh, the mask, the organization, they're all separated on floors. It's they're they're doing it right. The National Hockey League. There's so in Edmonton, there's fourteen
2: restaurants, and the National Hockey League actually. Put like four or five of their own in there As part of that 14 Yeah, like They actually created their own sushi restaurant
3: I know, it's awesome They have food trucks outside the hotel yeah. They opened up restaurants in the rink There's three restaurants and bars open up in the hotel And because of that, those security guards Allowing lanes to open and close They're actually now going to start being allowed to cross streets That chop house we've been to yep. in Edmonton Players can go there it's it's remarkable. It really, it's, the planning is just I'm insane, proud.
2: isn't it? I'm proud. I am. So I'll, I'll, as we take a break, I'll tie it back to, to what I said at the very beginning. The challenges that these educators, that these superintendents, that these principals mm-hmm. and teachers are dealing with are absolutely immense. And so I think as parents, we've got to recognize that. We've got to give them some breathing room to still figure this out. But we can. All, we also have to ask for... A little more structure when being asked to make decisions. It's the way that goes. All right, we'll take a break. Ashley Weiss, we put some boots on the ground in Edmonton. And those boots are made for walking. We'll come back with Ashley Weiss in a moment on This Week in Hockey.
0: We are right back to it. This Week in Hockey on your exclusive home of Blues Hockey, 101 ESPN.
1: Back in here on a Tuesday night, Alex Ferrario, Chris Kerber, Joe Vitali. It is this week in hockey. We're going to head out to Edmonton now as Kerbs teased some boots on the ground. You see her throughout the season, whether it's on social media, the Blues website. She's a host. She's a producer. She's a reporter for the St. Louis Blues, does a phenomenal job. And now she's going to be our insider for the St. Louis Blues. She is Ashley Vice out in Edmonton.
2: Ashley, how are you? How's bubble life?
4: Hey, it's going great. How are you guys?
2: Ashley we are doing fantastically. I'm glad you're up there for those that that may not be aware of who Ashley is. If you've been to any Blues games over the last couple of years, you have seen her and Joe host the intermissions on the video board, right? You've seen Ashley on plenty of, you know, what what to learn about your Blues on a given day on the Blues website, and what you may not know is she's actually behind the scenes doing a lot of editing of videos that you have seen as well. Um uh a student that went to, it was University of Arkansas, right? Correct. Yeah,
4: University of Arkansas. Yep. Blue pig, as you know, I love to say.
2: That's right. So it so has a background in this. So Ashley's the one that's going to kind of keep us uh, up to date. Ashley, first off, let's uh, l- let's just go through this chronologically. Once, once you found out that uh, the Blues wanted you to go up there into the bubble, which could potentially be until first week of October or so, um, how did you start to plan in terms of, Just getting ready either packing Wise or mentally for That type of run
4: so mentally, my first reaction was I cannot believe that this is happening and I cannot believe that I'm getting the opportunity to go. I was honestly stunned, especially some people might not know this, but there's only a couple of us from the front office that are not part of hockey operations that have the opportunity. So the first reaction was just this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and no matter how much it happened, hockey's finally back and I want to be a part of it. So the first reaction was really just excitement. Um, it does set in a little bit that that's a long time and this is a good St. Louis Blues team. Team. And so the reality of being here for two and a half months, the longest that it can possibly go, was a reality. Um, it didn't necessarily scare me. It was exciting. There's was um, a lot of questions in my mind of what it would be like to be in a hotel for that long. You kind of start to just imagine what you think the bubble might be like. It's funny that you mentioned packing because that um, – you know, I like my clothes. I like my shoes. I like my makeup. So that was a little bit of a panic, and they limited us to one large suitcase and one carry-on. So I think my large suitcase is about 100 pounds. Curves, I know you've given me a hard time about that on the road. <laughs> um, but packing was a little bit interesting. Uh, packing was a little bit interesting, but we are going to be able to have laundry and things like that taken care of here. So that's how all that went.
3: So, Ashley, Joey here, and it's great hearing from you. We certainly all miss you. I miss doing the Jumbotron, but the, the packing things got me interested. So, if I get this right, you're going to set a trend for all women that it's going to be okay to wear the same outfit. Oh, boy.
4: You know, I think I'm going to have to. I mean, that was a hard pill for myself to swallow personally, but I think I'm going to have to do that. I hope all the ladies out there don't hold that against me. But we're about to find how doable it is. You know, it's also, it might be a way that I talk myself down from doing as much shopping whenever I get back if I can make this. I have one suitcase with all clothes, makeup, jewelry, and all that, and then my small suitcase is just shoes. So that's how I that's how I tried to make it work.
3: Ash, what, what's going on in the hotel? Explain to the fans, you know, where are you located? How are teams separated? I know you guys are at the JW Marriott, which is connected to the ring. It's a beautiful setup. We've seen some pictures. I talked to Chris Pinker, who's also up there with you. But but for the fans, kind of give us a gist of what's going on, where they're allowed to go, restaurants, floors, uh, conference rooms, et cetera.
4: Yeah, so it's actually been really interesting. Uh, Most of the team is on the same floor. I think there's maybe three floors that have uh, different members of the Blues, whether it's players, um, hockey operations staff, et cetera. Um, There is a player suite, so it's not a lounge. It's just a suite in the hotel that they're able to have some fun in. I will say last night um, I was able to hear them hooting and hollering a little bit, so I think they were playing some games. I know I think David Fromm brought a putting green that he was going to unroll there. So I think that maybe that's what I was hearing whenever they were yelling, maybe people thinking some putts. Um, but there's also another lounge down on the second floor where they're able to have meals and things of that nature. Um, there's two restaurants inside our hotel. There's a couple of food trucks outside the hotel. And then there's also a restaurant that's over, I believe it is Sutton Place is the other hotel that some of the other teams are staying at. And actually last night, we all went over there for dinner. That's the part that gets a little bit interesting if you're wondering what the bubble actually is. They have basically a cage with NHL logoing that you walk through if you're leaving the hotel to get to another area. So they have it all blocked off and there's security guards everywhere that kind of open the gates for you and let you through as you go. Um, So there's definitely some food options and things of that nature. One thing that's a little bit... Um, Different for the first five days, they're trying to limit the amount of open interaction. So for the first five nights, there's team dinner scheduled. Everyone will be going to the same restaurant. That's pretty good from a uh, team bonding standpoint.
1: So, Ashley, uh, I've seen some of the videos and some of the pictures, and you mentioned kind of the gate that is surrounding this bubble. I'm just curious, you know, going into this bubble, what was this like for you? What were your initial thoughts when you see a gate opening and buses coming through? Does it feel like you were actually in a bubble?
4: It does. It does a little bit. Whenever we got in Sunday night, it was a little bit hard to tell. Um, By the time we actually made it to the hotel, I think it was close to midnight mountain time. Um, and so you didn't really realize what you were going through. It wasn't really until the walk over to dinner last night um, that we realized, wow, they have this pathway literally carved out for you to walk everywhere. Um, it does give a, it's a little bit nice whenever the practice rink is about 25 minutes away. So whenever the buses pick you up, that feels a little bit more normal, kind of like you're seeing the outside world, if you will. Um, but yeah, it definitely feels like a bubble and, They have, they check your, you have an app on your phone that gives you the green light every morning if your temperature is okay. And whenever you leave or practice, um, you have to show them the bubble in order to get through or the green light in order to get through. And then whenever you get back, you have to show them the green light in order to get back into the hotel. So yeah, they definitely have it locked up.
2: Ashley, uh, I know that the league is going to be controlling a lot of access in terms of the Zoom calls for players and coaches. What are some of the Mm -hmm. things that, fans can look forward to from you being up there in terms of things you are going to try to get access to shoot follow up on and work on while you are there
4: so we definitely right now we're in the process of working on kind of just a bubble tour I don't know yet if it will be myself giving that or the players but you will definitely see video of what the bubble looks like that way you're not just hearing about it or reading about it there will be some video in order to show you um, we're hoping to give some behind-the-scenes access as to what the arena is going to look like because the NHL has a pretty massive setup over in the arena um, because there won't be fans there. They have all kinds of screens, and whenever it is a Blues home game, it's going to be decked out, and it's going to feel a lot of ways like a Blues home game. They're going to play Country Road. Um, they're going to do all those kinds of things. And then aside from that, you know, I think our biggest goal is just to give you, like you said, the things that you won't be able to see. I know Chris Pinkert today snapped a, quick video of a couple of guys playing ping pong while they were waiting on their media availability. Um, I don't know if he'll let us, but I know that Ryan O'Reilly, I believe he brought three instruments with him. Um, I believe he said it was a guitar, a banjo, and a ukulele. So if we could get a little concert going here, that would be great. But those are the kind of things that we hope to give you guys access to.
2: Hey Ashley, if he pulls out that ukulele, okay, dinner is on the three of us when you get back if you can get pinky in a grass skirt and a photo on it. I'll do my best. Okay. I
4: don't know if you'll have it, but I'll do my best.
2: All right, if, if, if you can pull that, that one off good. while in the Bubba, that's a, that's an easy <laughs> Paul Monos night night out. Okay? Coconut bra or no coconut uh, bra? Okay, that if you can. Like a deal. All right, if you get him in the coconut bra, then even
3: more it's a for meal you, for so. a
2: month for you, Ashley. Yeah,
3: uh, Ashley, <laughs> I got one for you, and this is—I guess this is a personal question, but I think it's important. A lot of people see you. On camera jumbotron, but one of the main reasons they asked you to go to Edmonton was because of your your work ethic and your your skill behind the camera because you know how to go in front of the camera and behind the camera and and I think that's important and what advice or what do you have to say to people so they don't you know pigeonhole themselves into one area of expertise with whatever their job is.
4: Yeah, so I think uh, that there's no doubt that the reason that I was asked to come, it was made clear to me by multiple people that it was my versatility and that was the only reason that I was able to do it because, you know, the broadcasters aren't able to be here, but, and we do have, you know, plenty of very, very talented video people who do things behind the camera, but it was the ability to do both is the reason that I got this opportunity. And if you would have told me, um, you know, I was an intern for the Blues just four years ago, so if you would have told me, that all of that, you know, sticking to the behind-the-scenes stuff and honestly falling in love with the behind-the-scenes stuff as well would land me these kind of opportunities. I probably wouldn't have even believed you. But, yeah, I think um, always making yourself as versatile as you possibly can is the biggest thing that you can do. And also, I mean, if you're if for people who are wanting to be journalists and wanting to be on camera, you know, the biggest thing that they should enjoy is being able to tell a story. And so if you're able to do that behind the camera, too, you know, in a lot of ways, it ends up being just as satisfying. So I think always being as versatile as you can um, pays off. Like I said, I never knew that it would pay off this big for me, but I'm certainly very excited to be here.
2: Well, Ashley, uh, we're glad you're up there. We are going to involve you in our broadcast as well once we get things rolling. Of course, we're on the air tomorrow night with the Blues and Blackhawks, but fans, uh, we're going to check in with Ashley and and get a boots-on-the-ground kind of feel, even during the games, during intermissions and stuff. So um, It's going to be great uh, following your stories up there, seeing what you can do, keep uh, keep pinky, keep everybody in line, and at the same time, find a way to enjoy the world you're living in because uh, it it is an amazingly unique situation, and you will be one of the very few non-players that at some point down the road is going to be able to tell a story of being in this bubble and, and and it'll be an experience that very few will have
4: yeah it is it definitely feels like we are in another dimension right now but I'm really excited really excited for the opportunity I look forward to sharing some stories with you guys
2: all right thank you Ashley good luck up there
4: thanks Curbs thanks
1: I think what i need to do is intermission when we have her on have like a twilight zone sounder yeah when we enter her in being in a new dimension yeah
3: something we got like you know the boots with the fur or something you want like, a little t paint in there is as that well t-pain hey okay. what a what a, what, hey. a, what, a, what a, she's a worker i mean she's, she's awesome, awesome. She, who yeah, hired
2: she, her uh somebody i know oh you know <laughs> <laughs> not a big deal um so the team hired her Let's of put, course well, yeah um Okay, we got to find out if we can send mail in the bubble. Because if we can send a care package to the bubble, we sure as heck are sending Ashley a grass skirt and a coconut, and a bra. coconut bra to try and get Pinky in it. <laughs> I'd love to see that.
3: I think he could learn. I think you can learn to play the ukulele. You, you said it wrong, by the way. It's, yeah, it's o- ukulele. Ukulele. O- okay, whatever. <laughs> I don't. No, all right. Can play that. I don't
2: care. We just we we want the pictures of the Pinkster in the. I think that's completely doable. I think it's very doable. Okay, we Especially if like Paul Manos is on the line, yeah, That's we, cr- we got to find out. That's that's Chris, four strings. Four strings. Come on. Come on. The hard part is not the ukulele. You that's said it wrong. Right. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> ukulele. The, hard, yeah. the hard part is not the instrument. The hard part is getting pinky in the grass skirt. <laughs> hey, you know what? This week, he, it'd might, be hard. You know what? he might do it. Like He might you, just go you, insane on If it up you there throw him in it.
1: on the free dinner, I bet you he'd be doing it in a heartbeat. I think this week, he would not. But if you ask him in a month, yeah. <laughs> things get desperate in the bubble. No, That's Chris Kermit, Joe Vitali, and Alex Ferrario. Hey, send over your questions. I know people have a lot of Blues questions before this thing gets underway tomorrow night. Six five seven eight zero. We'll do a little Blues mailbag coming up at six forty five. But when we come back, Joe mentioned something earlier on the fast lane that I wanted to talk about. So we'll get to that next year on this week in hockey on 101 one ESPN.
0: More of what you want to hear this week in hockey with Alex Ferrario and Joey Vitali on your exclusive home of Blues Hockey. 101 ESPN. Hey,
2: Alex. Yup. Cards are playing the Twins up at Target Field. It could be a preview of the Winter Classic. Mm. I hope they keep that window. So I asked, I asked on a, uh, actually, I asked this question to Bill Daly. All right. The, uh, the the assistant commissioner, right? Deputy commissioner, I guess is what they call him, right? Um, and obviously they haven't gotten that far into next season. But but, I'm hoping the thought process goes with this. Even if you're going to start next season, we know next season is not starting before December, okay? So maybe, and, and if it ends up being late to mid-December, one of the early highlights of your year next year could be blues and wild at Target
3: Field. Opening night,
2: yeah. Opening I mean, night. well, that's that the only thing I was better. thinking. What if that was how you opened the new season? Because I even Doug Armstrong said in, in a call that uh, that look the league is prepared to start even as as late as January and still play a full eighty two games. Remember, we talked about it. it's going to take it's going to take two years, I think, for the league to get back to its early October to to May early June type schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be wouldn't be shocked. And, and there have been people that really advocated for this that it should start later anyway. I, I and so you wonder if somehow that becomes
3: even more of a permanent thing. You think that, you think that's possible? Like, would they start in October or? You mean later? Late October. Late October. I. It's a quick turnaround.
2: No, no, no! Not this year. We're talking. Oh, I'm talking. I'm talking year. when they yeah. get when they get back to the normal. When you yeah. reset, reset back to normal. We, yeah. yeah, yeah, I yeah. got you. But anyhow, I was thinking about that with the cards with the cards and, and the twins. I'm like, oh yeah, that would be the, a hell, hell of a way to start Classic the next stuff. season. I
3: know a lot of players here wish they were on more of the European schedule. The European schedule, you report to camp first week in August, and the season starts September. And then you're done with the regular season beginning of March. Oh, really? Yeah. So guys that come play in Sweden or in Russia, what? players are done in the end of our playoffs are done by the end of May. Uh, end of, about a month and a half before. Yeah. So if you make it all the way and win or lose, you're, you're coming home and done by May. Well, wow. that
2: would go the uh, that would go completely the other way. Yeah. Than what I think people over here in the United States look at it, where I, I think the NHL and the NBA actually could use this and end up. Creating a different schedule. Like here's an op this is an opportunity for you to do that. Mm-hmm. It's sort of baseball is taking this opportunity. To put in some things that who knows if the DH would have been allowed, you know. But but once it's here, it ain't going anywhere, right? Like they, they've they've used this opportunity, and and I'm curious what opportunities end up coming out of this for these other sports. Yeah, well, they'll make it really interesting, along with
1: Chris Kerber, Joe Vitali, and Alex Ferrario. So I mentioned I wanted to bring up something that Joe mentioned on the fast lane earlier today, and you were talking with the guys about how it might not be as desperate of a situation for teams that are doing those round robin games to play for that number one seed, and I thought mm-hmm. that. Was really interesting because, at first, you're sitting there thinking, "Well, everyone wants to be that number one seed." But now, there's no real advantage if you look at what the seeding is set up as as a number one seed. And you pull out a victory if Edmonton sweeps Chicago, you're looking at taking on a really
2: good Winnipeg Jets team. So, if okay, yes, on that,
3: if some other things fall into place, right? Well, this is this is this is why I was I've been mulling this around. Okay, so I think the most lopsided. Bracket is going to be the Chicago Edmonton. Hundred yes. percent. I think Edmonton is going to be Chicago. Probably will be sweet, but, but they're sweep. going to beat them. That is that. I'm almost certain of that. Okay. So here's the thing: if they do that, Edmonton will have the five seed. So they are essentially going to play the fourth seed. The fourth seed. So Correct. if you're the St. Louis Blues and you want that matchup, and you believe they're going to win, which I believe they're going to win, and they probably believe it too. And if they, you want that Edmonton first round, so you're probably better off having a four seed. And Edmonton is the only
2: team. That you know, right now, if they win, they will be the fourth seed. Because all the other teams, for example, uh, who's right below Edmonton? Uh, It's it's the... the, Nashville six. Okay, yeah. so Nashville. So so let's say Nashville wins and Edmonton loses. Nashville becomes the fourth seed, right? No matter what, right? Ed, you're exactly right. Edmonton you know? is the only one where if they win, they're the fourth seed or they're the, the fifth seed. It's the, the only fifth. guarantee and playing number four. It's the only guarantee. It's the it's the only guarantee. Only guarantee that's well, right. well Edmonton would be the
1: team too that if they do sweep Chicago, you're looking at they're going to be sitting around waiting a little bit because mm-hmm. they're not going to jump right into the sixteen format that they'd be playing in the first round. They have to wait till everyone finishes those qualifying rounds. And I
3: think from a strategy standpoint, if I'm Craig Burby, I'm any coach of the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, Colorado, Dallas or St. Louis. You have to be looking at that. And and if you feel like you uh, have an advantage over Edmonton, which I think most teams feel like they do because they lack a lot of defense or goaltending shaky. If you shut down McDavid, you should be okay. And I think that a lot of coaches for that reason, they're never going to come out and say it but I think they're going to use different okay. players. I think they're going to use different goalies. I don't think it's going to be as we need to grab this number one, as hard as as people may think.
2: Okay, so, well, there's a, a couple of things on this for me. One, if there was a chance that the Stanley Cup final could return to the home cities, which at one point it was thought of, but now we know that's not going to happen, then the number one seed matters because then you actually do have some level of home ice. Mm-hmm. There's no home ice here. Right. The only time it matters... The, the biggest thing now is face-off matchups. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, fa- face-off matchups. And the Blues are deep in that area that you're pretty confident that, you, that you'll be fine there. Number two, Craig Berube, a lot of times when you ask a coach, okay, would you prefer? Yeah, you know they have their preferences, but they know you're not going to say it. He's got one focus. One focus. And you can tell by the lineup he's already putting out there tomorrow in an exhibition game. And what his comments were today, he came out today and said, he came out today and said, what I want to see is us get to our game quickly. I want to see us play hard. We have got to get ready. And it was as direct a comment as you could make. So that's what he's looking on. Even so much, so, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little later on the show when we have time in another segment. I'm almost curious. Like Initially, I thought, OK, they're going to work in some of these taxi squad guys over these first four games. I don't know how many of those guys they may work in, mm-hmm. it, it, depending on where Craig feels that his team game is right yeah so the the third part for me is more of a question to you the lower seeds who of the lower seeds in your opinion would be the biggest threat to the
3: blues in round one i think arizona so you got you got arizona you got chicago at 12 Yep. Arizona at eleven. Okay, go go one by one and just say. Okay, so um, so Chicago. Chicago no. got them. No problem at all. Okay. Arizona scares me a little bit because of their excellent goaltending. Yeah. You got Darcy Kemper. You got Antti Ronta. I don't know who they're going to go with, but and two made excellent us look cuckoo. We we I think our record. Uh, we were one three right. Uh, yeah, no, we were one one and one against one, them. We hold out that one? last victory kay. against them. Believe it or not, the one team that we have not beaten yet is the Nashville Predators. Right. Oh. That kind of makes me a little nervous.
2: Okay, all right, that's where I was. That's why. Okay, so keep going. They're in the right?
3: six. They're in the six hole. So, okay. and they're and they're going to face Arizona. That's that's the that's, that's the game I watch. I like that matchup because I feel like the Blues are they are shaky for both. Oh, yeah. Okay. So then you have the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, I think if Markstrom can stand on his head, they have a shot. Minnesota scares yeah, me. Yeah, but bit. but
2: but but okay, but but I don't know that Vancouver doesn't scare me.
3: No, 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 no. They don't scare in me in terms of a, an opponent to the Blues. Minnesota Wilds scare me a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think they got a lot of pride. They have a lot of veterans. We we talked to Luke Cunnin a That's few right. weeks back, and he's like, "These guys, they know it's an ending and, soon." And and Kemper can uh, not Kemper, um, uh, Dubnik. They're can one do of those it. teams that you underestimate That's going right. into a series. Yep, and then you got the Winnipeg Jets which would be a first round matchup against two years in a row. Always we get dangerous. Them. Okay. That
2: the Winnipeg Jets to me are the one that scares me the most out of any of the teams. Really? Yeah. Wow. Because Because their goaltending can get it done, mm-hmm. right? I know their defense is a little bit shaky, but their size and the way they work in that offensive zone, they create better havoc in front of the net than any other team.
3: Yeah. I I just, I don't worry about them. Not. Are you saying that you worry about them as equally as you did last year heading into round one? Because to me, there's no way. There's no way I, I'm fearing Winnipeg yeah. this year like I was last year. Because Bufflin, Myers,
1: that, that defensive unit scared me a lot more True, last uh, year than this year. I, I, I think just, the I Winnipeg like Jets the were
3: one of those low-seed, eight-seed teams. If they got in, that could do what L.A. did and win it all. I just think that... I I don't know if Buck can stay that consistent. I think he's going to run away with the Vesna. I think his numbers are insane. He got peppered more than any goalie this year. So we're I talking th- about a low C team running away with the Vesna. I'm I'm saying right now. I had it the other day. I think he had like 33, average 33 shots a game, <sighs> and they compared that to all the other goalies yeah. that are up for it. Nuts, Kirby. <laughs> so that to me, that is that is a e- can that last? Can that last though? And we we've we've had his number. We we yes, scored, we have. Some, yes, we scored have. some we scored some we scored some. Really leaky goals goals. last year. Really leaky in those playoffs. Ryan O'Reilly off his front foot from the outside squeaks under his glass. I mean, he let up some leaky goals. If the Winnipeg
2: Jets are going to give up those kind of shots on goal against a team like the St. Louis Blues, you have to figure that over a seven-game series, they're going to find their opportunities to score and score. Yeah, But much like the only way that the Chicago Blackhawks are a real factor is if Corey Crawford's able to get in there, and he did practice with them before they left, right? Mm-hmm. Is if Corey Crawford's able to get in there and be a difference maker, and that is that those those are the wild card, and that's why that's why the reason Nashville should give you a bit of a gulp yeah. is, and I know he didn't have a good year, but good God, he seems to always play great against us, and that's Pecorini. Mm-hmm. yeah,
1: yeah. And their offense, it's always guys like Callie Yarn or Austin Watson who may not be prolific goal scorers, but they're the ones that it, score two goals against the Blues. Look, I would, I guess,
2: my point is. I almost wonder, okay, you know my line, the old pick your poison, okay, if you're picking your poison, you're still picking a poison, okay, but it it could still kill you, I almost wonder if the Blues are better off in the first round against Edmonton instead of Winnipeg or Nashville, Mm -hmm. I'll take my chances with Arizona, I think in a seven game series the Blues will figure that out, I think so, I do, well, yeah, that's my gut,
3: (sighs) I, we can get into this later, but Edmonton and Toronto—they kind of scare me this year. And I, I like them because they don't feel—I don't think they're going to feel as much pressure. Think about Toronto. There's zero media. You don't yeah. see people in the locker room. There's no media scrums. There's no fans in the building. You kind of this bubble—it's it, kind of deflected all that pressure. And I think that a team like Toronto, a young team, a young team in Edmonton. Youth is going to be important here, fellas. I'm telling you, there's a mental grind that these players yeah. are, are its coming their way. It's coming their way. And the youth, youthful teams that are okay playing video games and are going <laughs> to mentally get through this grind, I'm but, not, they scare me a little I, bit save that I don't know if Edmonton's
2: defense can handle uh, one of these top teams in seven games yet. save yeah. that because I want to open up
1: the second hour with that looking at some of the other matchups but I want to get to some of the text because we do have a lot of text messages coming in blues questions we'll answer those as we wrap up our number one of this week in hockey Chris Kerber Joe Vitali, I'm Alex Ferrario here in your home for the blues 101 ESPN
0: back to this week in hockey with Alex Ferrario and Joey Vitale on your exclusive home of blues hockey 101 ESPN
1: All right, so we'll round out the first hour with a couple of questions at the text line, the Air Comfort
2: Service text line. Round out. Is that a fat joke? Can be. Oh, all right. I I usually say the fat jokes for the
1: 7 o'clock hour for you. Okay. Round it out. Round it out. Now I got like a lot more that come. Never mind. No fat jokes today. Uh, 65780 Air Comfort Service text line. I'll throw this first one at both of you. Serial bull had a lifeguard. (laughs) 3-1-4. Three one four. In the odds to win the cup our blues are somewhere between fifth to seventh and around eleven to one to repeat. You think the note are being disrespected a bit. Joe, I'll start with you.
3: Um I think I think a little bit. Yeah, I think a little bit. I think that uh, I like to see those numbers improve just a little bit. Granted that they did it last year. They have all the pieces pretty much except maybe Pat Maroon this year with the same group and what they did in the regular season. I think the numbers got to be a little higher than that. I I do too, and I also think they've got to be higher because I think – that the
2: veteran nature of this team and their approach on how they approach things makes them one of the more equipped teams to handle Mm -hmm. what will be the mental challenges of this bubble
1: from the 636 who in your opinion has the biggest advantage for the st louis blues when the puck drops so i guess meaning player wise who do you think has the best advantage on the team
2: i don't think i understand the question
1: i'm assuming if i'm reading it correctly Who has the most advantage from what they were doing in the regular season before the pause? So, in terms of play, so let's. I guess. I guess. Let's say is. I guess coming from what they did in the regular season, like a Zach Sanford who was scoring goals, or a David Perron who was what nine game winning goals.
2: Who has that advantage going into the playoffs for the team? Nobody. I'll just. I'll just. I'll just go that route. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody. I, I think that. I think that this pause was long enough. It was actually longer than their off season the year before. Right, so I, I think that in the end, to me, the advantage is going to go to those players that have found ways to start seasons quicker. Mm-hmm. Right, there, I, I don't, I can't see, other than a guy like Sanford. I mean, yes, I would expect him to have some confidence because he was playing well, but but I, I don't see any advantage really to anybody in this since that pause was so long. I, I think it's really like. Like, if somebody's traditionally a slow starter, that could really bite you in the butt right now.
3: Yeah, I, I think I'm going to go with Robert Thomas for the simple fact, and we talked to him last week, and we asked him, and he looks he looks fuller. He looks stronger. He looks better. He looks swifter on the ice. They moved him to center. I like his shot. I like how he's trending. And he even said, I've never had a break like this. I've never been able to treat my body this way. He was into yoga and lifting weights. And I, I'm really excited to see what, what he can bring and the fact that, He's just playing hockey. This is like what he did when he was a kid. He's showing up the right. rink in his sweatpants. He's going to play a hockey games. He's going home. He's going to play Fortnite till two in the morning. You kidding me? Like I think this is going to be perfect for the young kids. You know, one thing I can—I've I, never actually looked at my son. And said, you know what? I feel like I'm trending.
2: I've actually never said that. <laughs> trending? Like in general? Like on? Yeah. You know, you're know, like like you know when we look at an athlete, we go, well, you know what they're trending in the right direction. Yeah. I, I go look back. I'm like. Or if I was ever trending, at what point in your life know. were you trending in the right direction? I know, I know, I've never really been trendy. Yeah, okay, that one we that's established last week for sure. That's okay, and I'm more than willing to admit that. But I don't know that I've ever really been trending. Well, there's always
1: time Joey, to start. I mean,
3: you you might have at some point time from a career standpoint. I but think maybe, but I just try to be trendy, and that's easy just put on good clothes. Find a tailor. What's the next question? Alex? Nice shoes, not Dockers. From the six one eight. Does Dockers make shoes? Oh, he said Dockers, and he cut you right off. What's no, the does question? He, does he make shoes? Uh, Dockers, Dockers,
2: I, I. Dockers? You said put on nice shoes, not Dockers. Are you, are you saying like, I'm, I'm insulting the shoes that you wear? Don't you wear Dockers? I don't. Wear, he does d- wear Dockers. Dockers. Dockers, are pants. You no. wear Dockers shoes too, don't no. you? Dockers are shoes. No. I swear Dockers are shoes. Well, Dockers may make shoes, but I've never worn them. Yeah, <sighs> debatable. No, it's not debatable. I know
3: the ones I wear. <laughs> what are those brown shoes you wear, those you, you, ugly ones. What are the ugly ones called? Skechers. <laughs> <laughs> He knew exactly where you were going with that Uh, from the 618
1: before this gets any more intense. (laughs) So we'll do this as the final one. And you can keep sending the text to us. at will more of these next hour. (laughs) 65780. Goaltending-wise, between Bennington and Allen and Craig Berube said earlier today, Bennington's going to get two periods. Jake Allen's going to get one tomorrow. Do you see both goaltenders getting playtime once the playoffs start?
3: I do not. Think I it's going to be one. I think it's, I think Jordan is the guy. There were so many yep. times, even last year, when he let up three goals in a period, second period starts. Hey, we made curbs, you know, we may see Jake here. No, it, it's his net. Um, Benny has the personality where he's commanded the net, he's told Barubi he wants to stay in the net, he wants a battle. There's so much that he still can learn in two periods, even if the team's down and out. And Craig just lets him go. So, yep. I, I don't expect to see uh, Jake unless. Unless the game gets really out of hand or an injury, I'll
2: throw one if in that because I agree with you on that. The only the only if I'll throw is if over playing say two games of this of the seeding games plus the exhibition. For some reason, Bennington just doesn't look good, mm-hmm. and and there's some yips in there. And then you come out. Let's say in that first round, you 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 fall down 0-2, and he doesn't look good. I could see. I I, I do. The flip side to what you're saying is then I do see Craig willing to make that move. I yeah. see a coach willing to make that tough decision if right. he
3: has to. Well and you know it's, But that would be the only scenario I could envision. And that has been proven to Help propel teams in the past. Look what Braden Holtby did the year that Washington Capitals yeah. went. He was on the bench for those first two games in that Columbus series. He comes in and they go on a run. Matt uh, Murray, Matt Murray and Mark Andre Fleury, same thing. Mm-hmm. Mark the Flower started and then they brought in uh, Murray and then he went on a run. And there was who actually backed a, up,
2: who backed up Crawford? What what, what goaltender oh, came um, in? Uh, well, the guy that was, was the Carolina. Scott Darling was Scott it? It Dar- was Dar- Dar- oh, Scott Darling. Yeah, yeah, Scott Darling. Dar- so Dar- here's, got So, big so to that point, okay, Chicago drops down what o two in that series? Was it even.? Was it. That whatever it was, it was. Quenville pulls that trigger and then Darling backstops them to a series win. Yeah. So because you don't have a run of games to pile onto, I could see it happening in that scenario, but. Um, But Bennington would have to look really off for that to happen.
1: Keep sending the text messages, 65780. He's Chris Kirby. He's Joe Vitale. I'm Alex Ferrario. We'll come back with hour number two of This Week in Hockey next here on 101 ESPN.
0: Nonstop, wall-to-wall NHL talk. This Week in Hockey with Alex Ferrario and Joey Vitale on your exclusive home of Blues Hockey, 101 ESPN. ESPN. ESPN.
1: here on a Tuesday night, the night before the Blues are back in game action. The exhibition matchup against the Chicago Blackhawks tomorrow evening, 5.30 puck drop with Chris Kerber and Joe Vitale. Our pregame festivities get underway starting at 4.30 here on 101 ESPN. Fellas from the 314, in your opinion, from the east and the west, what is going to be the best matchup in the qualifying rounds? Mm. Kind of a question we were talking about last hour and mm-hmm. kind of continue that conversation here, but I thought it was I, a great text. Are you talking to qualify? So I, the I got, qualifiers. I got
3: one I'm, ex- I'm the most excited about. Can I say that? Yeah, that's it. I'm really excited about Toronto and Columbus. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. That's a good one. I think that people are going to say that Columbus beating Toronto is an upset, which technically it is because they have a lower seed. But I, I I don't know if it's really an upset. I like Columbus because of Tortorella and what he can do to playoff teams. You saw what happened last year at Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. They're down 2-0, 3-0 nothing, nothing in the first game, and they just sweep the best just team destroy in the league. Them. He, he's won cups. He knows how to win. He knows how to get the best out of his players. You get Seth Jones back. You have Elvis has entered the building net, who is a stud. Uh, I mean, Anderson's back as well, mm-hmm. which they just found out about. He's probably going to play, and there is that extra pressure, and we were talking about a little bit with Toronto. I just... I just don't know if Toronto has the defense and the goaltending to just get over that hump yet. Did you and see like what Columbus? Did
1: you see what Tortorella said today when he walked into a Zoom press conference? No. First thing out of his mouth, I don't know what the blank you
2: guys have to ask me. <laughs> well, my favorite one was him. Did you guys see this one last week? So, and and I, I got to figure that the reporter did this just to bait him, right? But he said, uh, they said, um, like, or and if he didn't, I can't imagine why a reporter would think a coach would care about this. But he asked. The reporter asked John Totorella if you know, what he thinks about the fact that effects mics could pick up guys swearing on the ice. Oh, I did see this. And John reply goes he goes, I don't give a blank <laughs>
1: That's a good one, though, because I do think, and we talked about this in the first hour, Joe, and Curbs, I want to hear your matchup, but without that media swarming, and I specifically remember talking to a couple different Toronto reporters last season in the regular season about how, I mean, they have so many different TV and radio media outlets. They got like a TMZ Mm -hmm. media outlet for specifically hockey that just follows the team around and reports on them. Not having that pressure going Mm -hmm. into this bubble, has to be an advantage for Toronto, you would imagine.
3: I think it is. I remember when Phil Kessel, he had some interesting remarks in his days in Toronto. You know, Dion Phaneuf was the captain at the time, and he was just getting abused by the Toronto media. He was he was the whipping boy. And, and Phil, at one point, had enough. And you can look up the, the clip on YouTube. Yeah. He said I just think you guys are disgusting. I think that this whole thing is a mess and you're just blaming Dion. Like who are you? Get out of here and and he even said like uh, I think later in the years in Pittsburgh I remember, you know, talking to some players who play with him. He just wants to be left alone. He just wants to play hockey. And and, and rightfully so. He's a gamer. You know, mm-hmm. he he rises to the occasion and that's why people love him. That's why he's won cups. You see the benefit. You see why Arizona grabbed him. But he just wants to play hockey. And I think that Given the situation, I think those teams that feel as if they're under the gun, Toronto you mentioned, not being able to get past Boston, just feel like they're just nipped there, mm-hmm. right? In Toronto. I mean the pressure is just mounting. I think for a team like that, I absolutely I think it's an advantage. I do. Yeah.
2: So I agree completely with Joe on that one, but since he picked that series, I, I'm gonna actually I'm gonna say Calgary Winnipeg. Mm, yeah, I think I think two Canadian cities uh, the youth and fire that Matthew Kachuk has brought to the Calgary Flames. And then I I do think, I mean, I, I could see the Winnipeg Jets laying a complete egg and I could see them going on an absolute run. Like to me, they are just a, they are a chameleon of a team in this situation, depending on where their confidence is. So uh, I, I would think, I would think that one. So that
1: would would have been mine, but since you picked it, Pittsburgh and Montreal is one for me. Um, Montreal has kind of got hit, I guess, with guys that aren't going to be playing the game. And I think Max Domi is going to be playing, playing for yeah. them, which is a good sign. But with what they have and with the Carey Price, who another Canadian team that's just been bitten by the inability to win a cup. But Pittsburgh's a team that's stacked right now. And, you know, having Crosby back out there, but getting Gensel back and being mm-hmm. at 100% with Latang and Matt Murray, they might be a dangerous team. And we've talked about how Philly looks like they're a dangerous team already. So a Pittsburgh-Philly matchup in that second round could be, or in
2: that first round after the qualifiers could be interesting. Listen, you know another team that, um, that, the because of what Boston and Washington have done, right? Because of, you know, the Blues and everyone looking at Colorado and Vegas and Dallas. And, and frankly, if it's not Boston, I think the Cup is coming to the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but the, the the team that's just sitting there right now, right, that's just sitting there is the New York Islanders. And what Barry Trotz has done there, I'm, I'm telling you, that's a team all of a sudden, you may wake up and go, Hey, crap! The New York Islanders are in the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> I forgot they were
3: there. Or, or I mean, at least they're in the conference final. Because I mean, that's easily the most forgotten about matchup. I mean, they're playing the Florida Panthers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you just whoever talks about that, no, ever nobody about it. Nobody is going to
2: talk about that. That one is almost. I mean, to me, to, so so I guess I wouldn't say irrelevant because we know better. We know those teams are better. Mm-hmm. But the one that's the the one that would probably kind of be like the last pick in terms of sexiness or fun, would probably be the Panthers and the Islanders, mm-hmm. all right? But if Bobrovsky's going and Quenville's coaching on the other side, who knows, yeah. right? Okay, but but the other one is the one involving Minnesota, you know? Uh, who is it? That'd be Minnesota, Minnesota and, uh, and, Vancouver, and, Vancouver. and Vancouver. You know, that that's one you might have to, uh, to get a special satellite dish to
3: watch. Right. Well, I'll I tell you right now, if you like goals... Just watch Edmonton-Chicago. Oh, yeah. Let them just abuse each other. So
1: we had Jamal Mayers on yesterday with Rives and I, and I asked him because just kind of get a little perspective on this matchup for the Blues on Wednesday. I asked him how Chicago's going to fare in this matchup, and Mayers just completely obliterated him. He's like, they're in, they're in trouble. He's like, even with Crawford, they're still in trouble because they give up way too many scoring opportunities.
2: You know what, they... So on the NHL Network, Toronto and Montreal are on. And if you watch these exhibition games on TV, folks, and, and, you know, look, we definitely suggest tune it in, but also you can turn on the radio. We got it for you, too. But in that one, they're not the league's not pulling out all the stops in terms of how they're going to be televised in terms of so where you see kind of seats covered up and and different graphics Like it's going to look completely different on August 2nd when the Blues play against Colorado than it will tomorrow night when the Blues play against Chicago. Having said that, I asked Darren Pang about this one uh, recently. So when the players voted, so when the players have a chance to vote, right for the so the Ted Lindsay Award to me is basically the players' choice for MVP. Okay, and 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 I think that that might be the single most important award because it's the players choosing it, and they would know. But I'll tell you what: when they, when you, the players have voted on on the top goaltender in the league, and they still vote for Carey Price, Price. all the time. And I asked Panger, I said, Panger, well, like, I, I get it. I don't, I don't play the position, but look at his numbers. You look at what he's done. You look at the stretch. I go, I don't think he, he's been above average, but he certainly hasn't been spectacular. Last year. like he has not been a difference maker to lift the Montreal Canadiens on a run like Jordan Bennington did to the Blues in 2019. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a bit of an enigma for me.
3: And I'm looking it up right now, uh $10.5 <laughs> ten and a half million dollars. Ten and a half million. Now what's you put like I I like going through let's 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 grab Bennington and Allen. Four and four and a half maybe or? Yeah, so it's so it's like it's it's under ten. It's it's well under ten. It's, 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 a nine, under 10. it's like nine point eight or something. Okay. Like that. So then you have two steady goaltenders that can get you what you need. And Carey Price just he hasn't been that for me, Curbs. And 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 I know that they you can make the argument, well, Montreal has had bad teams at times. But you know what? There there are there are goalies that have stood on their head and have pulled I remember this the time in Pittsburgh with Marc Andre Fleury where we were not good and we dealt with a ton of injuries and he literally won us games. Right. And he just, hasn't been he hasn't been a difference maker to get them from like you gotta think a guy like Carey Price.
2: And again, now here's the thing. We've got to defer to the players. I mean, the, the players said that was that was their vote this year. Yeah. Right? So I, I'm going to defer to them, but I'm going to ask this question when I do that. When I defer is, is, okay, but, I mean, look, the Montreal Canadiens with better goaltending are higher up
3: in the standings. Yeah. Like, he just hasn't been that great. He's my MASH guy. What do you mean? The TV show MASH. I don't yep. get it. <laughs> I don't that, get it. I'm on that same page I don't get it either I don't get the show I don't get it But people love it People love it Is that, yeah, great Specs?
1: Is that his name Specs on there? Is that, no? What's No?
2: Okay Which one Which character The guy with to? the glasses No that's Radar O'Reilly Radar yeah. See look I really don't get it I don't Specs. even know the character name do you, do you enjoy like when you do stuff like that And look stupid? Is that what you do? Well, they can't see me, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, they can't see me. Oh, they can hear you. Well, that's fine. I mean, I can play that <laughs> you're off. You're not well. leaving. You're not leaving much to the imagination I there, play, Alex. I could play that off well. <laughs>
3: <laughs> he just he just pumping your confidence up, Kurt. Yeah. He's just trying to improve you. Yeah. He's a good team player. Yeah.
2: I'm all about my teammates, making sure. they I saw that. I I see often you throw Joe under the bus when he wasn't in here. What? I don't throw Joe under the bus. I'll you know you, better than that. you don't know better than that. We're
1: going to come back after this and kind of look back on the season 2019-2020. That's what I want to do. But, we but I got know. an audible. Yeah, see, Curbs is going to go somewhere else. So we're going to hit on that <laughs> next year on 101 ESPN.
0: More NHL talk. More often. This Week in Hockey. With Alex Ferrario and Joey Vitale. On your exclusive home of Blues Hockey. 101 ESPN.
1: So I don't even think I should tease what I wanted to get into here because Curb's called the audible. Well, I have a
2: question for you. Okay. Okay. And and, and I have one for you too, Joe. Let's do it. What year did the Winnipeg Jets move down to Arizona, become the Coyotes? (sighs) Mid 90s, right? Like 95, 96, I thought it was
1: somewhere was mid 90s, not like 98 or something. Well, then, they right? played them. No, the the, the, the the Blues beat them in the. Blues that beat them in 97.
2: 97, yeah. Okay. yeah. So, so okay. So we'll somewhere that in like 94. Here, right? Okay. All right, right. So, so Let's like 94, 94, 95. So, did they make the move the same time uh, the Colorado did? Colorado, I don't off sooner, the top right? of my head. Co- Hold on. Because Colorado, I think, was ninety five, because they won that they won the cup that first year. We all know Wikipedia knows everything. I think so it was Colorado
3: and then like th- two are those two or three years later it was Arizona.
2: Okay. So all right, but but anyhow. The Winnipeg Jets moved to Atlanta. Correct? No, Atlanta moved to the Winnipeg, to Winnipeg. The the Winnipeg Jets moved to Arizona, became the Coyotes. Jets were the Coyotes. Oh, 96. Okay, ninety six. All right, right there. Yeah. Okay. When in the H. E. Double hockey sticks. Is that franchise mm. going to figure it out in some way, shape, or form? Like, first off, if you're a hockey fan that lives in Arizona, you should kiss the ground that Gary Bettman walks on. Because if the what I mean, maybe the biggest thing that Gary Bettman has done since being commissioner of the league consistently is he has been franchise loyal mm-hmm. and city loyal and, and and trying to make sure franchises don't have to move. But. All of a sudden, the new owner and the GM who they signed to a contract extension end up in a rift. And the day, the day that the team is moving into the bubble, the day where you need unity, focus, and support, the general manager resigns. Not only does he resign, but then in his resignation statement, he said, I'm sure there will be time to talk details down the road. But it was basically a rift between him and the owners that caused it. The Coyotes put out a statement, and they don't put out a statement from the owner. They just release a statement, that right? Was, and so when intense. people are quoting it, they're just saying it's, it's the Coyotes' statement, right? So the owner of the Coyotes isn't even—I mean, it, it's got to be right on there, right? But this guy—and—and—and and, and, and again, I mean, I don't know the inner workings, so maybe it's completely justified. But they come out and they use the word "quit." Yeah, like he quit on us. That's like, a harsh it's, word. it's really sad That's harsh. that he quit on this team. So as they, they were disappointed about to in his decisions. And and quit and stuff. So now, keep in mind. Now the Coyotes were still waiting for some type of of uh, discipline coming from the league on basically the illegal workouts Drafts. that they were having for mm-hmm. the, with draft picks. All right, but you go back to when that that franchise first started, right? And you had um, uh, you had Mister Burke and I think it was Steve Elman that owned that franchise, and the ownership started to have a rift because. You know that, that that one of them wanted basically the land deal that was that happened in Glendale. One wanted to stay, and that didn't. They have had not only financial issues of stability. They've had ownership issues, and then the league lets them build that, build out in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. where there's still no belief that that will work out there. Right. Okay, so part of the process is still them trying to find a new way to put an arena on the east side of Phoenix, if not in Scottsdale, they right? Trying to old Scottsdale, and they're going to tie it up with Arizona State, right? And, and they were close. And they were close. Okay, so, and, and there's still talk that this could happen. So now you're talking about a potential new arena on the right side of town, but you talk about a franchise yeah. that, I mean, I you just, you can't blame, I, you can't blame the fans for not showing up to those games, can you? No. Oh,
3: it's amazing. Think it, about that. It's funny, it's funny to bring this up. I texted, so JP Majors had an had, uh, athletic trainer there, and me and him go way back. Obviously, we're good buddies. And, and I made a joke, I guess, I like, go oh, check it, just didn't want didn't to go to Edmonton. And, I, you know, he's like, oh my God, it's just, it's, it never ends here. That's what he said. It never ends here. And you're right. It's all. It's always something with the ownership. I remember when they how they handled Shane Doan's deal. Yeah, uh, the legend. And I mean, he was sour about. How they handled him and and what they didn't provide and how he didn't go out the way he wanted. This this thing is we're going to find out what happened. We're going to find out what happened with this. I've heard I've heard from a couple good sources that I think owners were negotiating Taylor Hall's contract. Mm -hmm. So that's what got reported doors. And I think that that disturbed uh, Johnny Boy and rightfully so. He's the general manager. That's his call. But I think the owners were trying to lock it in. But you know what? He he I think he's been for. I think he's been in on thin ice ever since, you know, he passes on Quinn Hughes. He gets that Hall kid who Mm -hmm. has played like 20 games in the league. You pass on Quinn Hughes. You get rid of Max Domi, who's now a star in Montreal. Right. There, there are, they're th- building a – it's not a bad they young are, team there. You they are. They gave contract. a big
2: contract to Chickren,
1: which
3: I never
1: understood. Oh, I prematurely dude. gave that. That's where I felt like it really fell apart for him there when he know, gave that contract out. You
3: get You know, You know. get Phil Kessel. That's kind of working out all right. But the Taylor Hall thing's interesting. I think this pandemic does not help him at all, too. No. If you lose Taylor Hall – listen, I know uh, New Jersey got some good prospects. Uh, I know Tom Fitzgerald pretty well, and th- he's happy with who they got. And and he was obviously trying to build something there. The interesting thing about him too, uh, Johnny, is I always say his name wrong. Johnny Chica. Chica, yeah, Chaika. I think it's in his contract where he cannot be a GM or head of hockey ops on any other team. Well, that's what Arizona was saying. They were saying they're
1: expecting the NHL to ban him from from being a part of any other team in the NHL. I think it's in his. So I, okay, it's, it's but, interesting. Well, what but here's he's the thing: do.
2: if he, there will have to be some kind of verbiage in that contract because if he resigns, which is what he did, right? So I can't imagine the Coyotes have to pay him. So, but if the Coyotes are going to, and this is where, if the Coyotes are going to hold his coals to the fire on that clause, then they're going to have to pay him. I don't think they can pick and choose what part of that contract. And again, sure. I don't know what his contract, right. is, but, I, but I'll go back to this. It's a, um, it's a franchise. It just hasn't had a chance, but even with the issues of ownership, whether it be the some coaches that the GMs have hired, how things have been done, how they've worked contracts, and, and stuff that they just haven't given themselves a chance. And keep in mind, I mean, those early days when they had Ronick and Kachuk and Burke— yeah you know, and, and Tempo Newman. In. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had some good players and some good teams and didn't did, didn't get some luck and go on a deep
1: run. Well, even in the early 2010s but, when they made it into what, the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, where they had that team set up and then they got bounced in what, game six or game seven? And they lost to Chicago. Oh, they
3: yeah. beat Chicago, I they think. They beat and Chicago and lost to Nashville. Th-
2: yeah. yeah. Right, now, now, one more aspect of this before we break. Okay, so, and when I bring this up, I mean, this is this this is as divisive in sports as masks seem to be in society right now. Analytics versus not analytics. Okay, for some reason, you you have to be one or the other. You can't be a mix of both. Right. Mm -hmm. So interestingly enough, there have been three general managers in the National Hockey League that have been hired. Because of that analytic approach the I'll call it we'll call it the um, the Theo Epstein approach okay mm-hmm. the um, oh jeez, now that my mind's going on blanking um moneyball bill uh, uh, Billy, uh, Bean. Billy, Bean. Billy the Billy Bean approach okay you've had you've got um, Kyle Dubas in Toronto mm-hmm. right you've got the GM I don't remember his name uh, that was hired to replace Dale Talon, then they let him go and put Dale Talon back in place. I'd have to look that up. Is that in Florida or in Chicago? Florida? In Florida, and then you've got Chica, Okay, Florida, that team going in the right direction. Randy Sexton. Okay, he was the he was the one that. Oh did, no, that's on it, Tom no. Rowe. Sorry, Tom. No, no, no. This Tom Rowe was the interim one. There was somebody else before it, but it went Dale Talon. Then another one. Then Tom. Then Tom Rowe. It was Randy Sexton, Dale Talon, Tom Rowe, Dale Talon. Okay, so, yeah, so, okay, so it was, it was, I think it was, it was, God, I think it was Randy Sexton, because I don't think Tom Rowe, Tom yeah. Rowe's not the NLA's guy, but, but it, so okay, so, but they let him go because he basically, he slowed down, the decisions that that guy made slowed down the, um, the development of that team. It, it, it put him back two or three years, okay? In Toronto, they've built teams, but let's face it, they've built teams with players that they've been picking first, second, and third, mm-hmm. right? There hasn't been a whole lot of great signings and moves made by Dubas that have put that team ahead, right? With the teams they have, and then look at what's happened here now in Arizona. It really, if, if you're if you're a an owner making a decision, you have to really put a good balance of. Some level of hockey analysis and analytics in that position, yeah. But is Dubas because the th- other ones don't seem to be working yet.
1: But is Dubas running that ship, or do you think Brett and Shanahan's running that ship?
3: I think a lot. I think Dubas does a I lot. Think you think so? Yes. And, and it's funny yes. within Arizona because they're going to go from Chica to it looks like Steve Sullivan, yeah, who played in the league, who is not I played with him. He's not an analytic mind. He's just an old school hockey player, and he's probably going to make decisions that are hockey decisions. Uh, you know, it's it, it is interesting, but to the leadership point. I will say you actually like you, you, you know, you brought me into what's going on in Arizona. Yeah, and We're watching the Cardinals game here. How do they continue to be great? How do the Blues for that stretch continue to be great? I, I will say going from Pittsburgh to Arizona, it, it's amazing, but leadership matters. Owners matter. General, the personalities and the culture you create, I don't care what pieces you have on the ice, because you're right, Kerbs. Arizona's had a lot of good pieces. They had a lot of stretches of good players. Even now, they got some good talent there, right? And great goaltending. But leadership matters. And I'm telling you, that message has got to just run through that organization or any organization to be successful. I just remember little things like going to Arizona, and we didn't have certain sticks. Like, guys wouldn't have a stick in their back order. It just doesn't happen in the National Hockey League. And it's just it's such a trickle-down effect of mismanagement at times. And you see how... Lack of ownership, mix of ownership, just goes from that to hockey ops to coaches to play. It's just if you're Taylor it's Hall, if you are Taylor Hall, knowing that you're going to be able to,
2: well, it'll be interesting. Him and him and Patric- well, this might be another s- segment for another topic for the next segment if we want to do it. But yeah, I was to say, let's get into this. Okay, all right. Well, let's. If you're Taylor Hall, we'll we'll get into that when we come back from this break. There How's you that? Go We're coming back after this on this week in
1: hockey on one one ESPN.
0: Now back to This Week in Hockey with Alex Ferrario and Joey Vitale on your exclusive home of Blues Hockey, 101 ESPN. 1, 2, three, four. Welcome back into This
2: Week in Hockey. Chris Kerber, Alex Ferrario, Joe Vitale, Joey B. With you here on a Tuesday night. We've got Blues Blackhawks tomorrow night. 4.30 pregame, full hour pregame. Alex Manning the fort. Blues and Blackhawks drop the puck at 5.30 Central Time. We will have the broadcast for you. We are not in the bubble. We will be doing the games from our E&B Granite Studios over at Centine Community Ice Center. Big thank you to John Kioski, Tommy Mattern, and Marshall Rice for... Putting that suite together and making sure that it is possible for us. A big shout out to the sound room in Chesterfield Valley. It's gonna say two seventy-two inches, where we got two seventy-five inch TVs. Ooh, 75. Uh, so it is. Uh, we're up and running, and and that is going to be fantastic. So we will be bringing those games to you tomorrow night, and then our first seating game is going to be on August second against the Colorado Avalanche. All right.
1: I've had a lot of people ask, do we know when the times of the Next two
2: round robin uh, games. Yes, I do actually. I think it's six thirty. Six thirty. I'm going to double well. check. Okay. That. I think so. All right. So, a couple of quick things from that last segment, fellas. First off, you know, Joe, you pointed to the TV and you said, you know, like how do the Cardinals do it? They've got general managers that have been willing to go ahead and one make risks when they need to, and the Blues have had that in Doug Armstrong, and and not be afraid to make them. So like like you know, he wasn't afraid to make the deal for for uh, Ryan Miller. It just didn't work out in the playoffs, but nobody, nobody to this day should still be arguing with that deal, right? But at the same time, then he made decisions of, you know, okay, he ended up not re-signing David Backus, you know, and in, in, instead of potentially getting into the situation that Boston got into where Boston essentially put him on waivers, right, mm-hmm. and then traded him to Anaheim. Uh, you know, John Mozalock, they just didn't feel comfortable offering, you know, Lance Lynn, The big contract. Would they like to go back on it? I don't know, but but they have to be willing and and courageous enough to make those moves. And and some of these teams that wallow in misery don't have that. So we go back to the coyotes. They make that big deal for Taylor Hall. You make that deal because you're trying to sign them. They weren't close enough to compete for a Stanley Cup in the sense of you're knocking on the door where you're gonna make that move and it's gonna put you over the edge. I, they made that move with a full plan to sign them. You have a flat cap now, so whether it's Taylor Hall or Alex Petrangelo, I'd say those are that's your biggest forward name and that's your biggest defensive name on the free agent block, right? The teams that can not afford you might be less now because that cap did not go up three or four million dollars, right? Number one, number two, going back to Taylor Hall, and I guess you can compare him to Alex Petrangelo in this. You've got plenty of incentive if you're Alex Petrangelo to re-sign with the St. Louis Blues. You're in a window. And you're in a window that looks like it could be a good four- or five-year window, right? Man, if you see what the Coyotes just did with their general manager Mm -hmm. and the continued uncertainty and not having decent crowds on a regular basis and all that stuff, you know, you've played in Edmonton where you did nothing but lose. Mm Mm-hmm you played in new jersey where you did nothing but lose i think
3: you played four playoff games maybe total i think yeah. they made it in jersey i mean he said one playoff yeah. appearance you
2: yourself are cracking the joke that you're the reason that you know that the, the teams you go to get the first overall pick right the, the ryan O'Reilly, which, o'reilly of last year which, which by the thought. way was a spectacular yeah. line and 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 self-deprecating line by him i'm not i don't know how you don't go to free agency first. Yeah. I mean, I cannot see a situation, especially more so now than before, mm-hmm. that you do not say, you know what? I think I'm gonna see what's out there before I sign with you guys. Because well, the yeah. coyotes the coyotes aren't gonna be, okay, well
3: then then see ya. They're gonna stay in the hunt as long as they can. Oh, yeah. They just gave up the farm to get you. Right. it's it's weird for two reasons. I think I, I will agree with you here because if you're Taylor Hall, first of all, I, I think I think Elliot Freeman Uh, talked about this today i think they did offer him like seven and a quarter over like six years maybe something like that which no chance no chance but chance but maybe is that the market now i I don't know with with the cap and everything so i think maybe he's insulted by that so i think that's probably strike number one for arizona number two you're right the mismanagement i mean this player he's been around the league he knows if there's issues up top it's going to trickle down what's the plan in arizona now as a player, you want to know the plan, like where is this where are we trending? Where, what are we doing? And if you have interim GMs and it's, and it's a cluster of a mess. I think one of the owners out there in Arizona too. I heard I heard something from again um, a source in Arizona that I guess his son, the owner's son, I forget his name, uh, he's getting heavily involved in hockey ops which I think is rubbing people oh, the wrong boy. way. <laughs> <laughs> so it's 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 again, if you're looking at all this and, and breaking this down, that's that strike 2. Strike 3 for me is I, I do believe he wants to get paid, and he's he's deserving of a lot of money. But I also think that a part of him really, really wants to win more than ever. This is not this is not a, a Petrangelo thing. Petrangelo's one; he's won. Yeah. It's a little bit different. Taylor Hall. It's about money, but it's about winning. He he has got to be exhausted from going from Edmonton to Jersey. To, I mean, bouncing around like crazy, and only with one playoff appearance for how talented that young man is. I think there's money out there, and I think there's a good team out there. I think he's going to find it.
1: For a guy who got paid, though, already, do you see him being one of those players that was willing to sacrifice financially to win? Who?
2: Hall. Taylor Hall? Yeah. Yeah. Because well, I mean, he got paid at Edmonton. He, he got so so he signed he signed the six times six deal, which is what you know. Right, everyone does, does that. That's, that's pretty yeah. much yeah. what Chica gave to uh, Chikrin. to Chikrin too, yeah. right? Uh Chickren. I mean, and, and well, and the contracts that that the Edmonton Oilers gave to Taylor Hall and those guys, Nugent Hopkins, and all that—that's why the Oilers have struggled. Yeah. Okay. They 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 immediately gave these guys that had not done anything. Other than place decently right and we're so young they gave these guys contracts and I mean David Broun said it when he when he was playing there I walked in the city he goes there's an edit, there's a culture of losing here and you can't break it right because these guys are getting paid what they're getting paid so so Taylor Hall is now it's 11 years in the league right jeez he's been in the okay. league eleven years um, yeah he came in as a 19 year old in in 2010 wow okay now his his numbers have been there but the team's success has been so Bad has been so bad. And ironic you know what? Ironically enough, Joe, when you when you mentioned seven and a half million. It's not that far off, huh? Well, look, he's only had he's had one, two, three years. Only three years with more than sixty points. Yeah. He had eighty points in thirteen fourteen, right? He had the ninety-three points when he won the Hart Trophy in seventeen eighteen. And then this year, it was 52 points. In, now, of course, it's in 65 games. All right? So, yeah, ironically, yeah, you ask a great question there. Is, you know, is Taylor Hall's market? And because he hasn't, I mean, the wild card is if you put him on a good team then. Mm-hmm. You know, where, I was trying to think of this. And and, and somebody a lot smarter than me is going to have to kind of go through the history pages on this one. Can you think of a player... Well Well you can think of plenty of players that were good like that, really great players that didn't win. I mean Bernie Futurko being one that didn't win a cup, right? But can you think of a player that has been as good as he is, that has played on teams that have missed the playoffs and been as bad as those teams have mm. been for that long? I'd that's have a good to think, question. I mean, you would really have to think long and hard about that. Yeah. I mean, I brought a Bernie, but the, the, the Blues made the playoffs a good chunk of that. I mean, even if you just use making the playoffs as your litmus test, yeah. Did Tavares make the playoffs a lot with the Islanders? A couple of years, but they got bounced one or two right towards yeah. the end.
1: Yeah, he was somebody that came to mind, but at least he was making it.
2: Mm-hmm. That's a good. That's a good recent call. Yeah, but, the, but the, okay, that's that's a decent recent call. I'm trying to yeah. think of, of somebody to go through. But anyhow, I mean, it's yeah, that, that's a fascinating one.
3: Yeah. She, well, he was yeah. a D-man in Pittsburgh? Shane, Shane Doan for a
2: while, but I guess he made it a lot when it
1: was in the beginning of his career.
3: Yeah, yeah. Taylor Hall. I mean, it's he's a product of a great market for him right now. It's timing. He's he's the best forward, so it's sexy and it's flashy. Right. But if if he was a free agent a few years ago, we mentioned Tavares. If if he was in the market that summer, I, I think I don't know. I just if he's in the market that year that he
1: wins the Hart Trophy and puts up ninety points, uh, I think you're looking at a guy who's getting paid. John
2: Tavares' money. So let let me throw this at you. Think about this. You could say, oh, boy, he could really help the L.A. Kings, right? But the L.A. Kings are strapped with some really rotten contracts, so I don't Mm -hmm. know that could happen, right? San Jose Sharks would be a real interesting one, but they committed the big dollars to Evander Kane. Who knows? Taylor Hall with the Anaheim Ducks could become a real intriguing piece. The Mm -hmm. Anaheim Ducks are not – they're another one of those teams that they're not a bad team. They're not a good team. Like I don't know that the Anaheim Ducks have to go backwards further before they go f- forward.
3: Yeah, no, I think that's a good call. I I still kind of have this weird sensation and feeling that I think he's going to end up back in Edmonton. Do you really? I wow. do. I I don't that's know. That's a hell of a twitch. I think they have the money. <laughs> I could see I that think too. Have the money to chuck it at him, and I think that he would have a lot of success. Imagine that and go around, oh, baby. Wow. You know, because then from an organizational standpoint, let's say they win. Then it's a good call. Except it's a a good pick. Except (laughs) if
2: they have. Okay. Except to be real honest, no. If the Edmonton, you're right. But if the Edmonton, that would be a that would be a total Edmonton Oilers thing to do right now. (laughs) When of those two free agents, they need to be getting Petrangelo. That's right. Getting Petrangelo makes them a better team. That's true. Boy, that would be something,
1: though, for the Oilers to do that. We're going to wrap things up tonight here on This Week in Hockey. Look a little ahead to this Blackhawks matchup tomorrow night with Curbs and Joey. I'm Alex Ferrario. It's This Week in Hockey on 101 ESPN.
0: More of what you want to hear. This Week in Hockey with Alex Ferrario and Joey Vitale on your exclusive home of Blues Hockey. 101 ESPN.
1: pigs up tonight here on a tuesday night before the blues and blackhawks are back in action tomorrow night 5 30 puck drop 4 30 pregame here on 101 espn the first community credit union pregame show and then the bmw of west st louis pregame skate starting at five o'clock i'm amped up boys i am amped up for this one to return and i'm sure both of you are to finally get back in the booth after what a four-month hiatus yeah
2: if uh if the forward lines and the defensive lines that they ran through today at the skate are what Craig Berube is going to go with, and and I haven't confirmed that that is what he's going to go with. But if it is, I mean, it is the lineup. It is Schwartz, Shen, and Tarasenko, Sanford, O'Reilly, and Perron, Blade, Thomas, and Bozak, and then he's got, then he had McEachran taking a shift, obviously with Sunquist, Barbashev, and Steen, because when Barbashev has to leave the bubble, probably before round one, yeah. from a, for a baby standpoint. Um, then McEachern's going to slide in there. Defensively, Gunnarsson and Petrangelo, Scandella and Pareco, Falk and Bortuzzo, Vince Dunn is in the bubble. He is not part of that mix. So that looks like that could be their group potentially for this game against the Blackhawks. And, look, I, I know we talked about how the Blackhawks could easily get beat. We could all see that. Corey Crawford could be a difference maker. But I got to tell you, you put a team— that thought they were done, that's been given a second chance. Yeah. And you still have Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. Alex DeBrinket has lit up the Blues uh, pretty well. You've got Duncan Keith. Brent Seabrook is not part of things mm-hmm. there. I mean, so I don't like where they're at defensively. But you know what? Just be careful that dog you let out of the cage a little bit here.
3: Yeah, I think it's going to be um, – you could certainly lean that way. I just – I just don't see it defensively, especially without Seabrook. I just don't see it. I mean, Connor Murphy is eating up hard minutes, and no disrespect to Connor Murphy, he's a he's a fifth, sixth defenseman. And he's yes. playing that two mm-hmm. hole right now, especially right.
1: that speed. I don't know if they can contain that speed of McDavid and Drysaddle that one two punch.
2: Yeah, I, I just it will have to be. It will have to be. Maybe I'm wrong. I think, no, well, no, I, I think you're right. I, but if it will have to be the Crawford and Kane yeah. show. Yeah, I agree. Yep, and it can be. It can be. It just, it just because hit me. Because keep in mind, though, keep in mind, it's a best of five. Yeah. Right. I mean, you get you get a little bit of puck luck, and you go up one nothing.
3: Yeah. You know, then Crawford stands on his head, and you go up two nothing. Right. That series may be over. And maybe and maybe and, they, they tighten things up from a penalty standpoint. Like Connor McDavid and Drysaddle, who run that ship. That that is a, a guys that get after it in the yeah. power play. Maybe maybe the refs kind of put whistles away a little bit. Maybe it's a lot of five on five. Uh, Mike Smith for the Edmonton goalie yeah. there, he, he's he been leaky at times. He he can let in a couple, and all of a sudden, you're right, Curbs. You're down by one game, and then, oh, you're back against the wall in game two. Do you and think ooh. they go with Smith? I think they do. You don't
2: yeah. think they go with Koskinen? Nah, I think they're going to go with Smith. Wow. Yeah, Dave Tippett loves Okay, him. If they're going to go with Smith, then the Blackhawks have a chance. Yeah, I
3: think I just without think Tippett's
2: going to... Without Tippett a doubt in my mind, yeah. if they go with Smith, the Blackhawks have a
3: chance. When Mike Smith came to Arizona, I remember hearing this story. He had a really rough year the year before. Dave Tippett takes over. And it's the first game of the year. He gets lit up. They're in this first period, like four nothing, and he's kind of throwing a pity party for the better worse. And the next day at the skate, you know, he was just kind of like lounging around. He's like, "You ready to go tonight?" He goes, and he goes, "Do you want me to play?" He goes, "You're playing. You're my goalie. You're our starting goalie, and you need to start understanding that." And that's a good story because Dave Tippett, who's now the coach Edmonton, he believes in Mike Smith. He he believes to the core. You know, and Dave Tippett, that's when big he, for goalies, too. And well, when he, Mike Smith did play well for, for Calgary. He did. He did. But you're right. When he gets leaky, yeah. he can get real leaky. And he's a chicken. This chicken goal. You know, I on oh, And I the Blackhawks
2: forwards have some smarts to them where they'll, you know, he. You know he's going to give up a goal or a couple chances when he comes out to play the puck. I want yeah. an explanation. What the hell is a chicken goal? A chicken,
3: a chicken goal. Whenever the goal goes in, they kind of throw their arms up like, uh, a f- oh, oh yeah, feathers like, like, who whose guy was that? <laughs> oh god, <laughs> whose guy was I'm that? Rooster, son, not <laughs> <on> a chicken. A rooster. <laughs> that is the quickest way to have your team turn on you. Really? Goal? The yep. chicken goal. I'm going to start but watching
2: am, for that. Mail. I am really excited about the fact that really come come august 1st no we're, we're we're already getting games on now but come august 1st when he's playing games starting those five games a day six games a day staggered you, you've got the if you've got nhl network and you've got the nbc networks you're getting every game uh if you got nhl tv you're getting every game like like this is going to be fantastic oh, yeah. yeah and then you put a, the cardinal game on, on over in that corner and if you're an mls fan put that on you put the like oh yeah i pretty much say hey like they might as well have just sent me into a bubble. Oh, yeah! I'm right. gonna. I'm, gonna oh. I'm envious of Ashley. Just, I re, just redid our basement. I should have put some kind of like conveyor belt where the kids could just drop food down into the basement. <laughs> <laughs> I, you
3: know, I was just thinking though too when you brought that up. As exciting as it is for us, you got to think about. I always like to think what what's going on in the Blues' head. In reality, they are still two weeks away from any meaningful hockey. That's a long time. More than that. Is it more than
2: that? Well, so you figure we're not playing our third seeding game until August 9th. So you're three weeks so away. So the playoffs are not starting until eleventh. the 11th 12th? or
3: 12th. So the 11th so would be two weeks to the day. Oh, Would it be two weeks to the day? All right. So yep, two oh, okay. we- That's a long time. Two. Yeah. That's a long time. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's like, wow. <laughs>
1: hey, my dad just texted me three players that popped into what we were talking about last segment of people who have played but never really got that shot. Daniel Alfredson. hmm
2: yeah, but Daniel Alfredson went to the Stanley the, Cup final, and
1: he was in the playoffs a lot with Ottawa, correct? He,
2: he went a couple times, right?
3: It was Alfredson still with him when they went to the final,
1: or was he with Detroit at that time?
3: Uh, no, I think he was with Detroit. I think yeah, that was he might the have been with Detroit. He, he was, yeah. So that was, I think yeah, that was yeah. that was the Carlson years. What about Pavel Bure?
1: Oh, that's Rangers, a good one Rangers. That was, post, that was post. That was post Gretzky, Messier. Yeah. And then the other one he
2: said was Paul Correa. Yeah, but did Pauley? They, the, they went to the finals. But Paul, wait a minute, did did I don't Pauley went to had some playoff success? But like they, they went to the playoffs pretty decently with the with the Vancouver Canucks, didn't they?
3: Mm, I can't remember. I thought the playoff success was for that, Vancouver came Once came with the, the Sedins, Sedin's and the Naslins and the Bertuzzi. It's yeah,
1: pretty
2: good. Yeah, those are the,
1: the three yeah. in Korea. But Korea played in the Stanley Cup final yeah, yeah, once with the Anaheim. They yeah, because that doubles. was when he got rocked. But other than that, he didn't really play in the playoffs that much. Playoffs, yes, but not in the Stanley Boy, Cup Final. He got hit hard yeah, but that but
2: game. that's why but that's why I I used kind of playoffs as the playoffs as yeah because because yeah. again you you're going to find plenty of players that made the playoffs and didn't win and Jeremy Roenick Keith Kachuk mm-hmm. you know great players that, that that made the playoffs and just and Joe Thornton but the ones that missed you the playoffs know, but but but, a, but for a guy that has been as sought after as he is has yeah. been. To have been on his teams as bad as he has been on for 10 or 11 years is amazing. Mm. Well, that is going to wrap it up for us tonight. We are back at it tomorrow. The first
1: exhibition game for the Blues, the only exhibition game for the Blues when they take on the Chicago Blackhawks, and then it's three-round robin games, and then it's into the first round of the playoffs. Curbs, Joey, thanks so much tonight, boys. Nice audible, Alex. Been fun, boys. There the we go. Tomorrow. You're going to hear from those two tomorrow with puck drop at 5:30. Our pregame festivity start at 4:30, and you'll hear all of that right here on your home for the St. Louis Blues 101 ESPN.
5: To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health, and that's where the Sleep Number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it.